0: to Tevating Patiently. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I'm so excited to jump in and share more with you about our national treasure, Aaron Tevate. Today is the first episode, and it will be a little bit more about my personal introduction to Aaron, as well as share some of Aaron's own key accolades and a timeline of his career that has been spanning almost two decades at this point. When I first discovered Aaron in 2012, it was in Les Miserables when it premiered. Whether it was that curly wig or the powerful voice, let's be honest, both, I was mesmerized, but I wasn't completely invested in who he was or his accolades just yet. Then I watched this live, and I must not have paid enough attention to the previews for that because I was unaware that he was in it. However, when Danny Zuko came on the stage, it took a few minutes to place him, and then I realized a light bulb, lay That's when my Googling and research into Aaron Tveit began. Fast forward to 2020. The world is shut down due to COVID-19, but on Halloween, a little Hallmark movie premiered titled One Royal Holiday, and there he was again with that wavy hair and bright smile, adding light to the world as Prince James of Galwick. Moulin Rouge, however, was what turned my interest into an obsession. I couldn't get enough Moulin Rouge or Aaron content. I still can't. And trying to figure out how to make it work to get to a show when it was announced that Aaron's last show would be May 8th, I knew there was no more time to waste. I kept putting it off due to ticket costs or childcare, but I mean he's leaving and who knows the next time he's going to be on Broadway. As sad as that sounds, I had to get there. The day before the Roxanne option up clip was released, we all know that day. That's the day we bought tickets. The next day, I remember sitting in my car waiting to pick up my son from preschool, and I see that that clip pops up on his Instagram. I press play, and I have listened to that clip daily since, especially the days leading up to getting to New York to see Moulin Rouge on the big stage. Once we got there that night, walking into the Al Hirschfeld, it was like walking into a Valentine's Day chocolate box. The red, the colors, the huge elephant, the windmill, just everything just sucked you in before the show could even start. And then I love how the characters come out on the stage and just walk through and you get an idea of their costumes and what you're getting into. And of course, the best part before the show even stinking starts is Aaron making that walk across the stage to lift that sign. For me, my, one of my most favorite memories happened right after that. He lifts the sign, that bass drops, the Lady M silhouettes appear, and Aaron leaves the stage. He walks to the back where the sound booth was, which is literally right across the aisle from where my husband and I had our seats. And I kept hitting my husband on the leg, telling him like, there he is, he's right there, oh my gosh, he's so close, we could just touch him. And My husband, not being the shy one, he starts waving just frantically and somehow Aaron caught he caught us he saw us he made eye contact waved back before leaving to go in the hallway and meet up with his fellow bohemians before they walked in so right before the show really even started night was made we saw the show on april 23rd and we went back for the matinee on may 4th and i don't regret that decision one bit I know there are so many other fans who saw the show so many more than two times and other fans that were unable to even get to the show, so I consider myself so lucky that I was able to work it out to see it twice in such a short time span. Aaron has a career in performing that spans almost two decades, and it ranges from Broadway to TV shows and series to big screen motion pictures, small indie films, and his many, many successful live concerts. Born and raised in upstate New York, Aaron comes from an extremely supportive family and has kept a balance of playing sports like basketball, soccer, and golf, along with performing in productions throughout his high school. He shared about his high school experience on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast in 2020. Here's what he had to say about that
1: you like these were your twin passions yeah and i was i was very fortunate that i my brother and i went to different high schools cuz mm-hmm. we moved um, i have a brother who's 5 years younger than me and we moved before my junior year and i kind of illegally stayed at my previous high school <laughs> um, but uh, but my brother went to a high school where you had to choose Specifically, between doing any kind of arts and drama and right. sports, and so for me at my high school, they encouraged you to do everything. Like our, you know, our, for instance, our play practice—if you were in the school play—was like six to nine at night, so you could go to your sports practice or go to your sports game and then go late to play. Pra- right. You know, it's just yeah. the way they wanted you to do it. Um, because if when I was, four, you know, fourteen years old in ninth grade, if 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 I had had to choose between, I never would have done. A play or a musical. Right, that wasn't, you know. Cool thing no, to it do. just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't even on my radar.
0: Initially, Aaron had planned on attending college in pursuit of a business degree. He'd received multiple scholarships for business, but in the end, it was that tug toward music that led him to disregard those scholarships and head to Ithaca College to study music. Could you imagine that for a second? Aaron to Vate in a business suit working a nine to five every day instead of performing on stages? I couldn't. He left Ithaca after being cast in the National Tour of Rent in 2003 as an understudy to Mark and Roger. Aaron's Broadway debut was the role of Link Larkin in Hairspray in 2006, and up next was the lovable bad boy Fierro in Wicked in 2008. Things stepped up for Aaron even more in the Broadway world when Next to Normal premiered in 2009 and he originated the role of Gabe Another originating role happened in 2011, when the musical Catch Me If You Can premiered and Aaron starred as Frank Abingale Jr. This musical, however, was unfortunately short-lived. It only stayed on Broadway for six months. Aaron had been quoted as stating that for a while, he blamed himself for the show's short run. Since he was one of the main characters, he really carried that burden when it ended. However, not long after Catch Me If You Can ended, Two new major opportunities opened up for Aaron.
1: In Labor Day of two thousand eleven, I was absolutely devastated when it closed. Um, we had worked on that for so long. I I can't say that I didn't feel like it was like my fault because I was on stage for three hours. I really put I really put that burden on myself, and it was really difficult. But then a month later, within two days of each other, I got ca- I got the Graceland pilot and casting Leemis, and so. You know, and if Ketchum and if v. If can had continued to go, that never would have happened for right. me. So that's just another thing about, like, the crazy path you go as, as an actor and artist.
0: Lay Miss was an absolute success, premiering in theaters on Christmas in 2012. Graceland season one premiered on USA in June of 2013, and it lasted three seasons, which I personally think is a crime that it was canceled after three seasons. There's still lots of closure that's needed between those characters. If you haven't watched it yet, head to Hulu or Amazon after listening to this and binge your, and start your binge session. You won't regret it. During the run of Graceland, Aaron also starred in multiple independent film productions, such as Undrafted, where he played a brooding baseball player, Created Equal, where he played a lawyer defending a woman suing the Catholic Church, and Better Off Single, a rom-com of sorts told from more of the guy's perspective as he navigated life after a breakup. In an interview with Broadway show people, Aaron broke down the opportunities that the independent films offered him.
1: There somewhere. It's I mean, the whole movie scene computers. is so interesting because you just sort of like do all these movies and you don't know if they're, what's going to happen at a festival, if they yeah. end up on, but, you on know, but demand. But that's, that's what's so interesting about, about filmmaking, I think, is and just the kind of the nature of it now is that you, there are these great small scripts that get made for, yeah. you know, under the kind of the ind- independent film wing, if you will, but you get to just work on these great scripts with these great directors and, and great casts, and you just, you, you just put it out there, and you, you, know, you never know what's going to happen or what's going to come of it, but you know, so, the, the nature of the business is, the parts that I've gotten to play the last year or so, you know, I, m- I might not have had the opportunity to play those parts in a huge studio movie, just because of mm. all the things that go along with it, so right. I've been really relishing the opportunity to play um, incredible parts in these smaller films. It's been great. I'm excited.
0: After Graceland, all the performing worlds collided with the idea of playing Danny Zuko in Grease Live was presented to him. Aaron had shared that he was initially hesitant to accept the role because he'd been trying to keep his performing worlds separated from each other. However, after speaking with his managers and speaking more with the producers and the directors of Grease Live, he got on board and soon realized that his hesitations regarding the project were all wrong. He spoke about this experience in more detail on the Billboard of Broadway podcast in 2017. Here's a clip from that.
1: Um, if I'm being 100% honest, I had some hesitation about it because of the uh, ones that I'd seen previously. Um, I thought that they were I thought that they were great and what they were trying to accomplish. I was a little worried about myself in it, just because of the the, the stuff that I had done. On camera, and I again, like I was, Les Mis was a huge success, but I, I was still wary about necessarily singing on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I wanted to make sure that, you know, for early on, I was really trying to keep that those worlds separate. Um, but even though Les Mis was such a success, I was a little worried that that was like a a lightning in a bottle, and that it maybe not have, it would have worked the same for me the second time.
0: Another show that was unfortunately cut short after one season was Brain Dead which premiered on CBS in June of 2016. In that, Aaron played a Republican chief of staff, Gareth Ritter, who was to a senator who had half of his brain eaten by space bugs along with other half of the senators in Washington, DC. If you haven't seen the show yet, I promise it's as crazy as it sounds, but it's oddly real and relatable, and you'll be rooting for Laurel and Gareth until the end of time. Fast forward to 2019, eight years after Catch Me If You Can, Aaron's last Broadway production, Moulin Rouge the Musical, opened on Broadway at the Al Hirschfeld Theater, and Aaron originated the role of Christian the composer, dropped into 1899 Paris, France, where he is taken in by the misfit bohemians and falls in love with Satine, the Moulin Rouge's most sought-after sparkling diamond in the show. There's not enough time today to dive deep into the magic that is Moulin Rouge and all that Aaron brought to the show and the character of Christian, but I promise that episode Or episodes will be coming. Finally, after years of epic performances, Aaron won his first Tony Award for his role of Christian. And thank goodness, because I think there may have been an uprising if he didn't win. He deserved every single ounce of that award, and then some. May 8th, 2022 will always remain a day of bittersweet feelings. That's the day Aaron left Moulin Rouge and had his final show. And he described that as being like a rock concert. He and the rest of the company have fostered such a dedicated fan base for the show that the audience gave the departing members, Aaron, Ricky Rojas, Natalie Mendoza, and Tam Mutu via FaceTime due to COVID, the send-off that they deserved. I was not able to be there on May 8th, but have vicariously lived through the multitude amount of videos and photos taken from that night on more than one occasion. Since leaving Moulin Rouge, we have been debating patiently but what's next for Aaron? And on June 10th, 2022, it was released that the musical sensation on Apple TV, Doon, will be premiering a season two. So maybe we won't have to wait too much longer to see him in action. Other fun facts about Aaron include that he is a self-proclaimed pop music fan, specifically the work of Taylor Swift. While he's not performing, he's golfing. He'd love the opportunity to travel more and see more of the world outside of the travel he already does for work. He follows an almost all plant-based diet due to food allergies, and he's shared that if he wasn't an actor, he thinks he'd like to pursue nutrition. As far as roles go, Aaron says he prefers to play those darker brooding characters. He doesn't know what that says about him, but he says that those are the kind of characters that he likes to see in movies, so he prefers to play them. He also has a love-hate relationship with social media. He said he was one of the first people to have Facebook as when Facebook started in college when he was at Ithaca. When he started working, he deleted his account. He didn't like the idea of casting directors having a preconceived idea about him before he walked into auditions. Well, you know, I had Facebook, know I had
1: Facebook in college uh-huh. when it first started, and it was great because it was just my college, and it was a great right, way to right, stay right, right, in touch yeah. with people there. And then it started to expand and expand, and I mean. Really, the, you know, my, my main reasoning for getting off it years ago is when actually, when people on the business side of this, instead of just being friends on Facebook, that there were people that were directors and casting directors, and you know, that, that were all of a sudden were on Facebook and that I was friends with, and I said, wait a minute, you know, these people, I'm supposed to be able to walk into a room and suspend their disbelief, so I don't think they should know anything about me personally right, right. or see pictures of me at places. So that's that was kind of my initial reasoning to do it. That I just thought it'd be good to have separation from it.
0: He's fiercely private. This is not a secret, but yet I feel that it adds so much more value to him because when he chooses to share something with the world through social media, you know it's something that's really important to him. The list of facts about Aaron Tveit could go on and on and continuously be broken down into smaller details and more stories. And that's what I hope to to do throughout this podcast. But today's episode was to share a snapshot into who Aaron is and an overview of topics to expect to be covered on future episodes. I hope you were able to learn something new about our national treasure or at the very least get a refresher in all that he has done. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Tivating Patiently and hope to see you back here for the next one.